Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Thanks for having me. It's been great to be part of this church. We came here because our youngest daughter, Jenny, and her husband and our grandkids come here, so we thought we'd join them. Been really glad we did. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for remembering us as you do. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done to make it possible for us to know you, to experience your love, and to share in the promise of eternal life through Jesus. Help us, Lord, as we dig a bit deeper into some verses this morning and reflect on what it is that we're doing when we eat the bread and drink from the cup. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 48 years ago, I began my teaching career. 48 years ago, I could remember the names of all 190 students in my six science classes at Normanhurst Boys High School, where I'd been a student myself. I could not possibly do that now. I have this amazing capacity to forget words and names. It's like there are trees inside my brain and there are words and, and names sort of hide behind the trees and they taunt me. And they say, if you can't find us, we're not coming out again until three o'clock tomorrow morning. <laughs> Margie and I were driving down to the Mary Ellen Hotel at Merriweather for a family catch-up not so long ago. And as we're driving, I'm trying to think of the name of that meal that's the special for tonight. So I'm saying, Maggie, what's that chicken dish? It's crumbed. It's a bit like the chicken Kiev that we used to be so popular 40 years ago. And she said, you mean schnitzel? I said, that's the one, that's the one. I think that's on special tonight. Well, I'm walking into church and Russell Burgess is at the door welcoming people. And as I get there, I say to Russell, Russell, can you please remind me, remind me of the names of that couple over there who are talking to Audrey? And he reminds me. It's, it's embarrassing. It's difficult. It's hard. And I guess there are others who can identify with that. It's just a problem and forgetting is, is awful. And we love to be able to remember people and we love to be able to remember names. It's important for us. It's also important for the Lord. In that passage that uh, in Luke chapter 22 that we're going to look at in a moment and dig a bit deeper into, the Lord ends up saying to his disciples, this bread is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What exactly are we doing when we remember the Lord? We'll come and think about that. But the occasion is one of the most important dates in the Jewish calendar. It's the Passover festival. A day or a, a time when God's people remembered, commemorated a great victory that God had won for them more than a thousand years ago or a thousand years earlier when he rescued them from cruel slavery in Egypt. And Jesus, 
is preparing for the Passover meal. He sends John and Peter to make preparations. By the way, is it true that Jesus said to Peter and John, make sure that you find a table that can seat 26? (laughs) And they said, why 26? There's only 13 of us. And he said, well, we can all be sitting on the same side of the table. I think that was one of Leonardo da Vinci's inventions. I don't think that really happened. I'm not even sure they had a table. But there they are, and the Lord says... In fact, the Lord does something quite amazing. He takes the focus, in a sense, robs the focus from the victory that God won for them so long ago in the past from Egypt and puts the focus on himself. Do this, he says, in remembrance of me. Why did he say that and what's he asking us to do? When we remember somebody, we recall, we think of them. There's a sort of mental exercise taking place in our brains. But if we really remember them, we're also doing something for them. I was standing near the sink at home, rinsing some dishes, and a little voice piped up in the background, I'm thirsty! And that was my grandson, Jesse. And I said, Jesse, I'll get you a drink of water, mate. Just wait there. And as I reached for a cup, the kettle on the stove started to sing. And when our kettle starts to sing, you know it's going to be a full-on scream if I don't get there in a hurry. So I rushed across to the stove, turned the, uh, the stove off, picked up the kettle and started pouring water onto a tea bag and a mug. A little bit later, this voice pipes up, I'm still thirsty! So I said, sorry, Jesse, I forgot all about you. I'll get you a drink of water. And I did. Gave him the drink of water. And Jesse said, thank you, Pa. It's important to remember, isn't it? It's important to remember to say thank you. It's important to remember to keep our promises. It's important, if we possibly can, to remember people's names. We can send a card for Christmas or buy a gift, give someone a hug. There are all sorts of ways we can remember, but it usually involves doing something. And we see that this is also true of God in the Bible. There are many times where we read that God remembered his people. And when he remembered, he did something for them. God remembered his promises. An example of this is in Exodus chapter 2 and verses 23-24, where God's people had been for many generations living in the land of Egypt that multiplied, become a great nation and a threat to the Egyptians and a cruel tyrant King Pharaoh took them in as slaves and harshly treated them, brutally treated them until they called out to God in their distress and we read that God remembered them. He remembered the covenant, the promises he had made to the founders of the Jewish nation so many years earlier, that they would become a great nation in a foreign country and then God would take them from that land and take them to the promised land. When God remembers, he does something. And what did he do to remember them? He raised up a a mighty leader and saviour called Moses, whose job it was to challenge Pharaoh And tell Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And did Pharaoh Pharaoh let them go? He did not. And so God sent judgments in various forms until the terrible night of the Passover 
when the angel of death passed over the homes of all the Israelites and brought death and destruction to the firstborn sons in all the homes of the Egyptians. The firstborn and the grandparents' generation, the father's generation, and amongst the kids. It's a terrible story of judgment as God remembered his people and took action to rescue them. When God remembers, he does something to keep his promises. When God remembers, he does something that's going to be life-changing. Remembering can be life-changing. This was brought home to me recently, in fact just about three weeks ago, when a student of mine sent me a Facebook request. Now this might seem a bit odd to be receiving Facebook requests from students, but my students are in their 50s and 60s. And this particular student was back from the days when I was teaching at a boarding school in Nairobi in Kenya. Taught for three years in Sydney, then six years at a boarding school in Nairobi. A large school uh, with something like a thousand boarders and day boys, many of whom were sponsored through the Save the Children Fund, who were there and receiving an education they might not otherwise have been able to afford. And in many ways, the experience of being there through a mission organisation was, was a good experience. We made good friends there, some of whom are still good friends scattered around the world. Uh, I had the opportunity after being there for a, a year to become the school chaplain. Well, not this school chaplain, one of them. This was a secular school. There was a Muslim chaplain and a Catholic chaplain, and I was to look after the rest. So I had the great privilege of being able to teach God's word and share the gospel in that, in that place. But at the same time, uh, the other thing that was good too was the fact that I had so many motivated students and the, uh, the labs were the, most, uh, the best equipped labs I've ever taught in. It was a good place to teach. But at the same time, there was a, a dark underbelly to that school, a deep evil embedded in the system which exploited vulnerable boys. And over the years, that, that, that became apparent. I never saw anything with my own eyes, but there were wide, widely held rumours. And, and in the end, it kind of caused us to leave Kenya after six years, wondering whether we should have been there in the first place. Why did God take us there when there was so much evil happening, which impacted us, not, not directly, but impacted us in various ways? And we felt discouraged by that. We wondered why we hadn't come home sooner. What had God done in the face of all that evil? And I was encouraged by a student remembering me three weeks ago. Tom sent me a Facebook friend request. I don't remember Tom. I mean, I know the name. The name rings a bell, but I don't particularly remember him. You change a lot when you go from 15 to... 56. And Tom said, he called, he said, Moilimu, which is a, a term of respect for teachers. He said, Moilimu, were you my physics teacher in 1983 and 1984? Are you that David Ritchie? And I sent back saying, yes, I am. And he said, I'm so glad I've been able to connect with you. I needed to tell you that back in those days, you wrote 
a Bible verse in my autograph book. And that Bible verse was John 3.16. And you said to me in my autograph book, Tom, read this when the time's right. And he said, I left school, I went to Kenyatta University to study physics and maths. And four years later, I read that verse. And on the 18th, 18th of August 1988, I gave my life to Christ. Oh, well, that was so encouraging. You know, I had this long, com- I rang him up and we had a long conversation, two long conversations, reminiscing. I said, Tom, you can call me David now. And he said, yes, my limo. <laughs> and he, um, he told me that, he, he told me, yes, all that we knew about the dark side, their dark underbelly was true. And he said the ripples of that had spread out right across East Africa and led to at least two murders. But he also said that, that there were, and he said, don't, don't think that your time in Kenya was wasted. It wasn't. Tom said, I'm in touch with the Old Boys Network, and I can tell you that there are many, many men now in that network who remember you with great fondness and appreciate your ministry. It was so encouraging to hear that. He said, when I became a Christian, Tom said, I shared the gospel with my best friend from school from primary days. He became a Christian. He said, the ripples of your ministry have spread out across Kenya. I I shared the gospel with his brother who became a Christian. And I shared the gospel with his brother's wife who became a Christian and who is now one of the leading pastors in the church in Kenya. The ripples of God's goodness. I needed to hear that. And the Lord... When he remembers us, of course, it's life-changing, but also when we remember him, it's going to be life-changing. Let's just dig a little deeper briefly here into what he says. What is it that we are remembering when Jesus talks about his body given for us? Well, I think at one level we're just recalling that Jesus died for us. But we're doing more than that when we eat the bread. When we eat something... I think that gives us a clue about what it is we're doing. <clears throat> I've got a slightly sore throat, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> not sore throat, not a scratchy throat. Thank you. This, 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 obviously, this obviously wasn't planned. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. When I eat something, I, I put it in my mouth and I suck it or chew it. <laughs> Thank you. And I swallow it. You don't normally eat butter menthols, I suppose. <laughs> we swallow it. <clears throat> we take it in, into the depths of our being. We internalise it so that it does the job it's meant to do. I think when we eat the bread, we're taking, we receive, I can reject that butter menthol or receive it. We can reject what the Lord is offering us or receive it. And I think what it is that we're receiving is his sacrificial, forgiving love and the fresh cleansing from sin that that sacrifice brings to us. I'm saying, Lord, I'm receiving that for myself into my, into my being. And you can do that for the first time or it could be the thousandth time. But it's a fresh cleansing from our sin, a fresh receiving of his sacrificial love what is it that we're doing when we drink from the cup say here the Lord said this is the um, 
my blood, I can't read it because it's too far away, but my blood of the, of the new covenant poured out for you. So at one level we are recalling something, we're recalling his blood shed for us as he gave his life on the cross, but we're also receiving something. And the hint or the clue here is this reference to the new covenant. Hundreds of years earlier, the prophet Jeremiah had spoken about a new covenant between God and his people. God speaks here through Jeremiah. Now, the word covenant is a really important word. It runs right through the Bible. In fact, the Bible is divided into two, the old covenant and the new covenant. Testament is just an old word for covenant. The old covenant, the new covenant. And, and the covenant relationship between God and his people is a promise relationship. Marriage is a covenant relationship. When you get married, it's not just two people who love each other living together. It's two people who love each other making promises, vows, which are then spoken in a public setting of some kind. God likens his relationship to the Israelites to a marriage. He says in these verses, I was a husband to you. But things went wrong. Now I know that many of you have experienced the pain of divorce. Some of you from more than once, perhaps. And it's not always the case, not always the case, that divorces are caused by a partner being unfaithful. But God says that in our case, it was unfaithfulness, not, as, not on my part as a husband to you, but on your part. You were the unfaithful partner, says God to his people. God promises a new, I'm not giving up on you, he says, I, I promise a new covenant. If we go to the second part of this, God spells out this new covenant. There's nothing new about the promises. These have been stated before. And the most simple statement of the covenant was, I will be your God, you'll be my people. What will be new is not the promises, but your ability to keep them. I'm going to do something, says the Lord, to make sure that you can be a faithful partner in this relationship. This speaks as much to us as it did to them hundreds of years before Jesus. Three things. First of all, I'm going to write my law in your hearts and minds. I'm going to give you a deep desire to love God from the heart so that when you fail and disappoint yourself and disappoint God, you will, you will wish you hadn't and you'll want to be different in the future. You'll have a desire to be different that God will put there by his spirit. Secondly, he says, you will all know me from the least to the greatest, you will know me. Now there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing him personally. In 1983, I think it was November 1983, I was walking down a, a very quiet, well-to-do street in a very well-to-do suburb of Nairobi. It was a street in which the president's house was located. Nobody else in the street, I can't remember why I was there, and as I was walking slowly towards the gates of the president's, not a palace, but mansion, I heard a car driving up slowly behind me. It's a bit creepy. And I thought, what's going on here? And I turned around and looked, 
And as a car drove past, a woman in the back of the car smiled at me and waved at me. I thought, oh, that's amazing. I've, I've, I mean, I be, I've believed in the existence of this famous woman, but now I had my own personal encounter with Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> now, if the driver had said to Her Majesty, how do you know David Ritchie? <laughs> she would have said, I have no idea who, who you're talking about. And even though I'd had an encounter with the Queen, a personal encounter with the Queen, I still did not know her. To know someone means to be in a personal relationship with them. And God wants to be in a personal relationship with us. And you know that most, well, I guess many of us know that. But maybe you, you haven't realised that. That's what God wants. Jesus said at the Last Supper in John's Gospel, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus whom you've sent it's all about knowing God. And the new covenant promises that you will know him like that. Why? Because God's spirit will be at work in your life. Paul says, the Bible writer Paul says that, that God's spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It's a spiritual connection, but very real nevertheless. The third point that God makes in this description of the new covenant is that he will deal with the problem of God's people's sin. You may be thinking, I'm not worthy to be here. I'm not worthy to, to be in such a relationship with God. And God says, you will be worthy and I will warmly welcome you because I'll make you worthy. I will forgive your sins and I'll remember your wickedness. I'll forgive your wickedness and remember your sins no more. It's not that God will forget that we've sinned, but he will take no action other than the action he will take when he gives when his firstborn son Jesus dies for our redemption the first came the first one that at passover celebrated the freedom of god's people at the cost of the firstborn of the egyptians this redemption this victory is one at the cost of god's firstborn son and did God remember that promise? The new covenant promise? Jesus said he did. He is the one who came into the world, lived, dies, rises again and returns to his heavenly father, provides God's forgiveness and the power of God's spirit. Let me suggest that what we're doing when we drink is not just receiving our Lord's sacrificial forgiving love, but receiving the Lord himself by his spirit. The Lord himself, as we have a fresh filling with God's spirit. With that in mind, I'd like us to put this into practice by having communion together, this Lord's Supper together. We're going to do it a little bit differently today. So if you are willing to do this, or if you're ready to do this, you can, just in a moment, get a little packet of of uh, wafer and grape juice but don't open it yet because we're going to do something together also if you weren't given, given one of these when you came to church remember me there's one next to the communion cups get one of those as well so if you could do that now that would be good
don't don't open them yet if you don't mind. Just keep them keep them sealed up. I'm going to give you a lesson on how to open them without spilling the cup. Now on the long edge, there's a bit of aluminium. Don't peel that, just peel the plastic on top and that will expose the um, wafer. And on the card there's a prayer where we recall and we receive. So once you've got that, let's pray this prayer together. Lord, we recall your body broken and given for us. As we eat, we receive your sacrificial forgiving love with a fresh cleansing from our sin. Pull back the aluminium bit. And again, there's a recall and a receive aspect to this prayer. Let's say together, Lord, we recall your blood shed for us. As we drink, we receive you afresh into our lives by your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for making this possible. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've given to remember us, to put into action your promises, especially through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you gave when you died on that cross. Thank you for the gifts of your forgiveness and your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.